This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's been 20 years. Iconic guests. My guest is Danica Patrick. I mean, you've been doing this for 17 years. You might be the OG of podcasts. We all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. In 2004, we launched Sports Business Radio, and David was kind enough to be my first guest. He was just joking uh, in the green room that he launched my career. So. He hasn't let me go since. It's really impossible. My guest is Emmett Smith. I think being authentic, being who you are, and being unapologetic about it, and being open to receive knowledge in, in areas that you may be unaware of, that's okay, too. My guest is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. International growth is something that I'm always thinking a lot about, and both for the NBA and for the game. And it's it's a recognition that nothing is preordained. My guest is Bob Costas. You know, Brian, as you said, I've been so lucky and did so many things that I could never even have dreamed of doing. All I really want to do now is return to the things that are most truthful to me as a person and a professional. The biggest names in sports. My guest is Maria Sharapova. I wanted to be in those rooms and I wanted to be in those meetings because there was something inside of me that said that although tennis was a big part of my life, it wasn't going to be my life in capital letters. And I had to become savvy and smart. A big part of sport is business. Our guest this week, Sue Bird. <laughs> Who told you I'm a bowler? That's hilarious. I read that you're like a good bowler and you break 200 when you bowl. Is that not true? Is that false uh, media report? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's all fact. Welcome to year 20 of Sports Business Radio. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, welcome to year number 20 of Sports Business Radio. I can't believe it's been 20 years. Thank you to executive producer Brian Griggs for our new Open to celebrate 20 years. I think it captures a lot of our great moments um, and just shows some of the, the magnitude of the incredible guests that we've had on and the fun conversations we've had over the last 20 years. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this show for many years. We have a lot of exciting things on tap for your 20. We're going to reveal those in the coming months. So stay tuned. This is going to be a year long celebration for us. I am not one who typically takes a victory lap or celebrates milestones in life. I kind of just keep on moving on, but uh, several have said to me and I'm listening, this is a big deal. There's not many shows that are around for 20 years. So uh, we're going to soak it all in in 2024. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, happy new year. And how are you? I'm good. Happy new year. And congrats on 20 years. That is a big deal. And, uh, you know, thanks for the accolades on the open. It was fun putting that together. Always fun to go back through and, you know, grab some of the gems we've had over 20 years and just uh, 
it's one of those ones where it's like you could make a four hour intro because there's so many little <laughs> nuggets we could put in there. So uh, it was fun producing that and making it kind of pop and making it sound big for the for the big 20 year. And I agree. Let's why celebrate one day? Let's go for 365, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, just very blessed that we've had some of the people that we've had on this show over the last 20 years. Um, so, you know, I hope that we have some great guests on again this year. Uh, maybe some repeat guests and people join us who have been part of our past. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, we'll have some announcements on things that are upcoming for next week. So January 9th, we are going to be in Las Vegas at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. We're going to be back at their spectacular Boingo Innovation Center. It's like right across from the sphere. Got these huge windows, just a great space. And I'm going to be joined for a conversation by UFC champion and entrepreneur Misha Tate. She's fantastic. Um, we haven't really looked at the business of UFC. Um, she's also her own brand. And, um, you know, her nickname is Cupcake. There's got to be a <laughs> cupcake deal out there for her somewhere. Um, she's fought Ronda Rousey a few times. She's just a really interesting person. She has several million followers on social media. So she's done an incredible job building her brand. So really looking forward to sitting with her in person. You know, I'll know that I'm safe during that conversation. If anyone comes up on me, Misha will just take them down <laughs> in two seconds. I won't have to worry about, you know, any of the riffraff that might be there. But uh, seriously, looking forward to the conversation with Misha Tate at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless. We'll be in Las Vegas in front of a studio audience on January 9th. So that's coming up next week. Yeah, looking forward to that. And I agree. I mean, UFC is such an awesome entertainment, uh, you know, capital. I mean, they, they have been killing it for years. I mean, and it's, it's fun to hear more about something that, you know, I don't think everybody knows about it as much as they should, because I think it's very entertaining and it's the athletes are insane. They're amazing. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation too. And it's fun to hit the road again and uh, start the new year off on the road. Yeah, we'll be getting in on the evening of January 8th, just in time, Griggs, to take in the college football national championship game. It's going to be Michigan and the University of Washington. Um, I would bet you that when the numbers come out for the semifinal games, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, they're probably record setting. Um, you know, lots of people were thirsting for these two games that actually meant something where people weren't in the transfer portal, where, you know, you look at that Georgia-Florida State game with a 60-point margin of victory where, you know, three-quarters of Florida State's team had hit the portal. Um, the bowl season has been underwhelming, but you couldn't ask for two better college football playoff semifinal games. And I think the championship is also going to be a recipe for huge TV ratings. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think the bowl game is kind of, or bowl season has been kind of disappointing because so many teams are just, you know, their transfer portals, their NIL deals, people leaving uh, for the NFL. So you just don't really have the full teams on display. And finally, we got to the, the championship games here. And it's like, okay, good. We get to see the full teams on display, full crowds, full everything. The bulls looked great. The broadcasts were great. It was fun kind of bouncing around. I don't know what you did, but I bounced around, did the sky cam for a while, did the, uh, you know, the pit crew the the data center or the command center they called it that was kind of fun so i enjoyed bouncing around during those games all right we are going to preview some of the biggest stories of 2024 in sports business that you should be paying attention to i also want to let you know that coming up right after this 
Jay Prasad. He is the CEO of Rello Metrics. He's going to be joining me for a conversation. Just fascinating sports sponsorship measurement and how AI is playing a big part of that. And, you know, we're going to talk about the Pop Tart Bowl. I mean, that was brilliant. You know, you have all these bowl games and they all kind of blend together. And the old model is, oh, the CEO of, you know, such and such a sponsor company gets on stage at the end and, you know, they shake your hand and they congratulate you on winning the bowl game and your logo is on the field. And it's very vanilla and cookie cutter. What Pop-Tarts did really was interesting because first they had an edible mascot. Second, you know, at the end, he comes up kind of like Taylor Swift out of this toaster and he's got <laughs> fireworks around him and he looks like a rock star and he's dancing around and then he disappears down into the toaster and the edible Pop-Tart slides through and the players come and they eat the Pop-Tart. <laughs> and you're just like, this is all over social media. It's all over the media. People are like, this is brilliant. They supposedly got $12 million worth of media exposure for this first bowl game that they're the, the Pop-Tarts Bowl sponsor. I mean, that already paid for their entire sponsorship in year one because they were creative. So I tip my cap to the companies like Kellogg's Pop-Tart who are thinking outside the box, who realize they're paying all of this money to be the sponsor of a Super Bowl or the Olympics or a bowl game. And they actually put on their thinking cap and do something that's going to stand out. Because at the end of the day, people, that's what this is all about. How can you be memorable as a brand if you're going to sponsor something? It's got to be more than just the logo on TV. It's got to be more than just the logo on the field. It's got to be more than just a tweet or two. It's got to be something creative and clever along the lines of what we saw with Pop-Tarts. And I think that's going to be a new age case study for a lot of companies. And yes, was it corny? Was it, you know, a little bit hokey? Yes, it was. But do I remember it? Are we talking about it? You know, we're going to talk about it with Jay Prasad from Rello Metrics and some of the other things that are standing out. Uh, in the social media and the media conversation that he observes. Uh, Inter-Miami is one of their clients. Look at how Messi had an impact on Inter-Miami and all the stakeholders around Inter-Miami and MLS. There's an interesting way to track all of this, and Rello Metrics is at the forefront of doing that. So uh, I think you're going to find this conversation with Jay Prasad coming up today. Fascinating. But Griggs, let's talk about some of the top stories that people should be paying attention to in 2024. Um, first of all, let's start with the Paris Olympics, right? Anytime it's an Olympic year, it's a big deal. But I think because of the pandemic and some of the things that have happened at the last couple of Olympics, this one seems like it's going to be bigger than ever. It's in a time zone that is friendly. You know, with the United States, we're not like 21 hours behind. Um, I think the viewership, people are yearning to watch it on NBC. I think people are going to go to Paris because that's a great destination to go to the games themselves. There's going to be tons of activations for the athletes, sponsorships. Um, you know, you're going to have the Simone Biles. You're going to have NBA players there. You're going to have some great track and field stars. I just think it has a recipe to be possibly 
the biggest Olympics that we've seen in, in the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah, I agree. I think, and look, Paris shows well. It's a it's a vibrant city. It lights up well. It's It just looks good on TV. It's got a lot of venues. It's got lots of places for people to go. So I think, it, like you said, people are going to travel there. It's a fun place to visit as well as, oh, the Olympics. I love that NBC is already promoing it big time with the Sunday Night Football. You're tying it in. I love that. I think they're already getting people excited about it. I know I, you and me both love Olympics, so uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. And I agree. And we talked about it last year too. The streaming uh, side of it too is fun because you can watch it everywhere. Peacock's going to have tons of stuff, so you'll be able to see it on on streaming on your phone wherever you're at. That's going to be fun too. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The on-demand element now that exists. It used to be, you know, you got to get up in the middle of the night yeah. and watch this event taking place at three in the morning. Okay, if you want to do that live, yes. But now with Peacock and with the streaming services, you can also go back and watch on demand on your own time. I guess you have to, you know, have a little bit of a, a media silence. You can't look online and things <laughs> like that to get the results. But, you know, the technologies that exist now um, allow for you to watch the Olympics and consume them on your own timeline. So that's a big deal. So I think the streaming numbers are going to be huge. I think the live numbers are going to be huge. And because of the fact that the last few Olympics, um, sponsors haven't been able to activate NBC has really had to struggle for, you know, access. There were all these protocols in place. Um, I just think this one's going to be a really big deal. So we will see what that looks like. Opening ceremonies, July 26th in Paris. All right. What else? The continued shifting of the landscape of college sports. So if you go back to our mid-December interview, with the person who I think is the most powerful executive in all of college sports, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. You know, there's some tea leaves to read from that conversation. But, you know, if you fast forward to July of this year, that's when Texas and Oklahoma are going to go to the SEC. That's when USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon are going to go to the Big Ten. That's when Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado are going to go to the Big 12. It's when Stanford and Cal are going to go to the ACC. You're going to have this continued shifting, and it's going to be interesting to see where the dominoes fall. And one of the things that you should watch for is the SEC is geographically desirable, as Commissioner Sankey talked about. You don't have to travel cross-country to play your games. The Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, what's going to happen with the water polo players and the tennis players and the gymnasts and the lacrosse players who have to travel 19 hours there and back to play a match? Is that going to be sustainable? I say it's not. I say eventually when all the dust settles, you're only going to have football and men's basketball, maybe women's basketball, who will travel these long distances cross-country to play these matchups. It's not sustainable for the mental health of the athletes. It's not sustainable for the true student-athlete. And it's certainly not sustainable when it comes to budget and paying for non-revenue-generating sports to travel you know, 15, 20, 30 people cross-country get a bus, get hotel rooms. I mean, it's expensive stuff. I don't care if you're a football team or a tennis team. It's still expensive to get people from point A to B 
if you're doing this cross country. Um, the other thing to pay attention to with the college football landscape, and we talk about this with Commissioner Sankey a little bit, is the college football playoff media rights deal. What's going to happen there? So ESPN has had the games. It's up for you know, re- renewal. And you know Fox has spent all this money. Uh, ESPN has spent all this money on the SEC. Like, Is the media rights market tapped out? Or is there still billions of dollars that these networks will pay or streaming services will pay in order to own the college football playoff? I do think, like we've just said, these semifinal games had huge numbers. I think the championship with Michigan and Washington will have huge numbers. So going into the negotiations with the networks and the streaming services to try and get them to pay big bucks for the media rights for college football playoff. And by the way, it's now 12 teams. So you've got more games that you can uh, you know, get exposure with and have ad inventory with. But it's something to pay attention to because you got to wonder at some point, is the media rights market tapped out, Greg? Well, and you've also got the SEC going over to ESPN. So CBS is done with that section. So you've got moving parts already. And then you mentioned like the 12 playoff is going to be huge. That's going to bring even more added value to the whole setup because you got more games that people actually want to watch. But uh, yeah, I think this college, college world of sports is going to be just, uh, it's going to be a big year. I think there's going to be so many things changing. And the, the travel, like you mentioned, and, you know, do teams stay in the East Coast if they're playing a couple of games? Do they stay there for a week and a half instead of coming back across the country? Do they schedule games where they're all kind of on that side of the country and then schedule a bunch of West games? So I think it's just a, it's a revolving door and learning these new conferences and setting up how they're going to do all that and how who's going to play who and how many games you're playing. And it's going to be a, a wild year for college sports for sure. Well, and you've got the evolution of the transfer portal. I mean, if you're a college quarterback and you're pretty good, you can get one to $3 million for switching schools. So um, you heard Commissioner Sankey talk about how the portal's going to slow down, how you're not going to be able to transfer as often. Um, some of the rules will change coming out of COVID um, that existed that will now change back. So you're not going to be able to go play at four schools in four years. <laughs> but still, you know, the portal has its presence and basically... If you're a college football program, you've been given by your boosters and your school a pool of NIL money to build your roster. I mean, we saw this with Deion Sanders in 2023, where he went to Colorado. He basically turned over the entire football roster, brought in his own people. He had a pool of money to do that. So for people who, I don't think people understand how competitive the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be when it comes to football. It's going to be like a major bowl game every weekend. It's going to be unbelievable to watch. If anyone comes through that without a loss, (laughs) it's really remarkable at this point because you're going to have to run a gauntlet like you've never run before to come out of that. Um, You know What does this all mean for March Madness and college basketball, which is always allowed for Cinderella to make the ball and even potentially, you know, beat a huge team like Duke or North Carolina in the tournament. Will that still be able to be maintained? Um, And speaking of media rights money, Griggs, the other big entity that is up for renewal this year and where those discussions are taking place, NBA. So we had 
Commissioner Adam Silver on at the beginning of December. I would invite you to go back and listen to that interview. He also shared very specific traits that the NBA is looking for with its next media rights deal and the fact that they'd even be open to investing in a media or streaming platform if it made sense for them and was the right partner. But, you know, again, you look at all of the media rights money and where it's gone, the SEC, and it's gone to, you know, all these different places. There's only so much of it to go around. So, you know, now in the game of musical chairs, you've got college football playoff and the NBA holding a chair going, okay, who's got what for us? And what does that look like? And is it all broadcast? Is it broadcast cable? Is it broadcast cable streaming? You know, what does this look like? And it's going to be interesting this year. We're going to see that. And, you know, we've been saying this for years on this show, too. It's the worst kept secret in sports business. As soon as the media rights deal for the NBA gets done, I would say in a matter of months after that, you can look for the NBA to announce expansion into Seattle and into Las Vegas. So they will go from 30 to 32 teams. I guarantee you, as part of the conversations taking place right now with the NBA, when they're talking to media rights partner, they're putting those two media markets in the conversation. Look, you're going to have exposure in Seattle, which is a big market, and Las Vegas, which is a growing market. They're going to get more money as a result of that. Yes, you're going to have to you know, split it by 32 owners versus 30 if you're an NBA owner. Um, but that's going to be something to pay very close attention to. The other NBA story that I'm watching with a lot of curiosity right now is uh, Mark Cuban sold his majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks last month. So December of 2023, it became official. He retains 27% ownership of the Mavericks. He's supposedly still going to oversee basketball operations. But the thing that's curious to me is why did he get out now? Does he see something that the rest of us don't see when it comes to the media rights market potentially not being as lucrative as people think it might be? And then the most curious thing of all is the people that the Mavericks were sold to own the Sand Casino in Las Vegas. And there's been all this talk about developing a casino-like atmosphere and, and real estate development in downtown Dallas. Well, as of this recording, gambling is not legal in the state of Texas. So are there tea leaves there where, okay, Cuban and the new owners of the Mavericks know that legalized sports gambling is coming down the pipe to Texas, obviously one of the biggest states in the country. Um, this would be a huge deal right? Uh, not just to Dallas, but all of the cities in Texas, but it would open up the door for this development that Cuban and um, you know the new owners of the Mavericks are envisioning. So that's another thing to pay very close attention to. Um, that will impact the Cowboys and it'll impact the world champion Texas Rangers and you know obviously the teams in Houston and San Antonio, if gambling is legalized in the state of Texas, by the way, as we're talking about the continued explosion of sports betting, right now about 30 
of the 50 states in the U.S. have legalized sports gambling. So we're a little over half, but there's still so much more to go. And I'm not saying I'm a proponent of this, but if you look at the where the money is being made and where the opportunities are, sports gambling is certainly one of those areas. And Griggs, with only 30 states being on bo- board so far, if you have states like Texas who add this, it's only going to make this even bigger. Well, yeah, and we've been talking about sports gambling for years as we've seen it kind of slowly progress and go from state to state to state. You know, at some point, probably the majority of the U.S. is going to legalize it. And Texas is massive. I mean, you just rolled off a couple of the teams there. Huge, huge brands, big time names. And, you know, these billionaires like Mark Cuban, too, they're smart. They're smart on another level. Like they're above where you and me are. And it's like they can read tea leaves. They know stuff that's coming that we might not see. So there's definitely I'm very curious about this story, too. And as soon as I saw that pop up back in December, I'm like, well, that's interesting because just kind of random what's going on. There's definitely something behind it that's going to come out at at some point. And I'm interested to see, you know, when we find out what the the whole plan is. But uh, yeah, the NBA is going to be fun to watch. You know, we talked about how MLS went to Apple Plus. And how cool that was and how well they did for the MLS season. It'd be kind of cool to have an NBA streaming aspect of it because you don't really haven't ever had that. I mean, there's a few TNT games on HBO Max now that they're kind of crossing over, but they haven't had their own streaming platform. So that would be fun to see if that uh, progresses. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch all of this. As we've said for many years on this show, the money drives everything. Yeah. And one of the biggest pools of money for these teams, leagues, is the sports media rights. It's the TV dollars. It's the streaming dollars. So um, seeing where those uh, chairs stop this year is, is going to be interesting. All right. Another story you should be paying attention to is pro golf. We talked about this a lot in 2023. What's going to happen with the PGA Tour? Are they going to merge with Live? The announcement came out in June that there was going to be a merger. They said, okay, we have to get this figured out by December 31st. Well, you may have missed this during the holidays, but they have now extended that negotiation until the Masters. So now you're looking at April for the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, PIF, to continue conversations about what would it look like if we merged. And you know, there's benefits for both parties. The benefit for Live is the PGA Tour has a good broadcast deal. Right now, Liv is on the CW. No one's watching their matches. So you're paying these golfers hundreds of millions of dollars, and no one's watching the matches. That's not good. Attendance at the matches, not huge. So you're paying a lot of money for a product that not a lot of people have exposure to. What's the benefit for the PGA Tour? Well, the benefit for the PGA Tour is PIF, has more money than you have by a long shot, and they're going to keep buying your golfers and moving them to live unless you make a deal with them. We've already seen Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, and you know John Rahm was the latest in December that got poached. How many more golfers, elite marquee golfers, will live by and move them from the PGA Tour to live, and then, you know, PGA Tour becomes less relevant. Last year at this time, literally this week, I was at the Century Open in Maui. John Rahm won that tournament. Well, guess what? This week when the Century Tournament kicks off, he won't be there to defend his championship because 
it's a PGA Tour event. A lot of the PGA Tour events are getting watered down now with their field because either, you know, Tiger's not playing in every event, Rory's not playing in every event. And oh, by the way, many of the top 10 golfers are now on the live tour. So it's hurting both products and it's hurting pro golf in general. Either merge or I think this is going to be such a diluted product on TV and in person that the casual fan is going to pay less and less attention to golf. Will we watch the majors? Probably. Because at this point, both live and PGA Tour golfers can play in a major. But are you going to watch the other events that are non-major? Probably not. Maybe if Tiger's playing, because you're curious. Maybe if Charlie Woods is playing, I know I will. But, you know, other than that, golf is going to become a very segmented, very casual sport. And you know, that's not good for them at all, Greg. So, you know, there's a lot of money at stake here. The future of pro golf is at stake. Does it get figured out in 2024? What happens if they can't merge and make a deal? Does PGA Tour eventually go to funk because Liv steals all the golfers and, and you know, just says, hey, we're going to basically bleed you dry here of your best golfers and we're going to pay them more money than you can and we're going to require them to play in less tournaments. It's going to be interesting, but I'm keeping my eye on that story. For sure. And I think it, it hurts the fan. It hurts the casual fan because, look, golf is driven by the stars. Like you tune into a golf match because you want to see Tiger and Rom and the big names. We don't really care about the guys that you don't hear about as much. So now you've got them split out on all these different, you know, platforms and areas and leagues. It's like, okay, who's, who's going to tune in, tune in to watch this guy you've never heard of? Probably not most people. So I think it hurts the fan. And I think, um, you know, there's big money. Like you said, it's again, it's another money driven thing that uh, is all based on how much money can this guy pay or get this contract or whatever it is. So yeah, fascinating to watch. Golf is fun. I was thinking about it yesterday watching during the college football playoff, they were doing the masters teasers, you know, and I'm like the whole time I'm thinking about, well, who's going to actually be playing at the masters this year? So it's a, it's a crazy thing right now. Another golf related story to pay attention to that we teased in December on our year end show, the potential split between Tiger Woods and Nike. So they've been together 27 years. Tiger has only been a Nike guy since he turned pro. You remember the Hello World ads that ran when Nike signed Tiger. Tiger is the most synonymous athlete with Nike other than Michael Jordan, in most people's opinion. Um, I think it would be an enormous mistake if Nike parted ways with Tiger Woods. This is so much more than just a product-by-product relationship. Um, Tiger still moves the needle in a lot of different ways. Michael Jordan, obviously. So for people who don't understand, Michael Jordan makes $330 million a year from the Jordan brand. After Nike, the Jordan brand is the second most popular brand on earth. Ahead of Adidas, ahead of Reebok, ahead of any other brand. The Jordan brand is number two behind Nike. Why can't Nike replicate what they've done with Jordan with Tiger? Turn it into a lifestyle brand. Make it broader than just golf. Um, and then, oh, by the way, who's the guy you sign coming up? Charlie, right? Charlie, I think, and I detailed this in December, has a chance to be even bigger appeal-wise than Tiger. And 
if Nike and Tiger part ways, do you actually think that Charlie is going to do a deal with Nike at some point in the future? No, he's not. He's going to go, hey, they didn't take care of my dad. I'm not doing a deal with Nike. Um, I think there's so many ways. Like, if I could have one job in sports, Griggs, right now, it would be for Nike to hire me and say, we want you to come up with the plan for all the ways to activate Tiger in a new partnership going forward. I would absolutely love that job because I would make it more than just about Tiger. I'd pull Charlie in. I'd probably pull in Tiger's daughter who you know, has appeal out there to young women. You go get some women's golfers and you target them. There's so many ways you could broaden this beyond just golf and make it more lifestyle like the Jordan brand has done. And look at what Jordan brand has done with their partnerships with other athletes and men and women athletes and global athletes. There's no reason that Nike golf can't do that. By the way, you already have Roy McElroy and Scotty Scheffler on board as Nike golf people. So, you know, this is beyond just selling balls and golf clubs. This has the potential to be even bigger. And I would love to be the person like giving Nike my ideas, but please Nike do the right thing here. Don't part ways with tiger. See all the ways that you could activate this. Um, you know, we're based here in Portland, Oregon. We've been to the tiger Woods center. If you go on campus, like there's so much presence of, of Tiger on that campus. Just the PR blemish of having to undo all of that. You know, they at one time had to take Joe Paterno off the building. They had to take Lance Armstrong off the building. Do you really want to take Tiger Woods off the building? And by the way, you stood by Tiger when he was going through his controversial times. If you're going to stick with him then, why wouldn't you stick with him now? And reinvent that relationship. So I know I've said a lot here on this, but I'm really, if nothing more, because of the fact that we're here in Portland and we're near Nike World Headquarters, I'm really fascinated by what happens with this relationship in 2024. Yeah, just sign the lifelong deal and get it done with Tiger. I mean, it's 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 a no-brainer to, to you and me and I think most people. Like, let's go. And you bring up too, you got Tiger 2.0 coming. You got Charlie right behind him too. Like you've got the next level of golf and he's already likable. He's fun to watch. He's excitable. He plays like Tiger. So I think it's a, it's a no brainer. And, you know, use those Charlie and Anna's daughter as, you know, get the kids more involved in golf. We're always talking about how we're trying to get kids in golf. You know, it's a sport that's hard to get young people excited about. Now you've got some great people that you can use to do that too with Nike. So yeah, I think it's, it's a no brainer to you and me. I say, yeah, let's go. Let's sign that lifelong deal with Tiger and keep it going. Cause it's, uh, it'd be stupid to let it go. Three athletes that we know of that have lifetime deals with Nike. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Yeah. Tiger should be on that list. Yes. I, I would even say next to Jordan, he's the most important athlete endorser Nike has ever had. I'd put him in front of LeBron and I'd put him in front of Kevin Durant. So um, get it done, Nike. Get it done, Tiger. Let's see this partnership continue. All right few more things that you could pay close attention to in 2024. Just technology and the emergence of technology. I mean, if you look at AI, and AI could be, you know, analytics like we're going to talk about with Jay Prasad from Relometrics here in a few minutes and how we're tracking 
sponsorships. AI could be how are we tracking player performance, both in game and at practice? You know, is the player going to get hurt? Should we rest the player? Um, you know, there's all of these player analytics now that help us read the tea leaves of performance and injury and things like that. Um, AI could be, are we going to see AI write stories for publications? I mean, you know, Sports Illustrated, Google that. AI and Sports Illustrated last year. Um, you know, there's still fallout happening from that. But, you know, eventually, will AI ask questions at a press conference and generate a story based on that? Will AI write reports and strategies for executives instead of having staff to do that? Um, there's going to be a lot of different ways that technology impacts 2024. I guarantee you at places like the Olympics, we're going to see new camera angles. We're going to see new microphones. We're going to see, you know, inside the game access that we haven't seen before. Um, so those are all things to pay attention to. I geek out on that kind of stuff. I know you do too, Griggs. Yeah. And, and it's just fun to kind of see like, hey, what's the next generation of a broadcast or of tracking player performance or uh, monitoring fan habits. I mean, you look at like the big concerts of 2023, like Taylor Swift and Beyonce and, you know, Rihanna, like promoters and people running those concerts, they can tell you the fan habits down to the last item they bought on their credit card. I mean, it's incredible how we are tracked as human beings now and how companies know what our habits are, how they send us, you know, emails and, you know, things that pop up as we're browsing the web and, and all of this stuff. But, uh, you know, it's only getting more and more in tune with the habits on the field and off the field. Well, it is faster now, too. It's like when you and me were little, you know, something would advance in five years. Now it's like five seconds. Yeah. There's something new. Yeah. I mean, it's literally every day you go on, you know, X or Twitter or whatever, and there's some new AI thing and there's some new drone. There's some new something. It's every day the stuff is being advanced so quickly. So, uh, yeah, I agree. And it, you look back in a year, you know, we're, when we're doing the show next 2025, you'll look back and be like, wow, look at what AI has done. Look at the, this and that and everything else. And it's, uh, it's fascinating. And I agree. The tracking is crazy. I was watching uh, Bronny James, USC Trojans playing the Ducks basketball. And they were talking about oh, now all the USC players wear heart monitors. So they know when these guys are having any kind of palpitations yep. or something weird, they get them off the floor. I mean, that kind of stuff. You're going to start seeing more of that with teams, too. So it's fascinating stuff. Well, and you even heard Adam Silver when he was on with us last month talk about, you know, are we going to have specific channels where you can watch your favorite player? Like, let's say that you want to watch Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant's got a camera somewhere on his uniform. <laughs> and your whole perspective of the game is by the camera on Kevin Durant's uniform. Mm -hmm. And what is he saying? And how are you in the game? You know, we've already seen this a little bit with virtual reality. Right. But, you know, I think getting into these micro channels, like they're going to be the main feed. You know, we've seen the Manning cast. But are we going to get into like, okay, there's a complete channel on sports betting and live odds. And, you know, you can make bets in real time. Is there going to be a channel on gaming? Is there going to be a channel on... I want to follow my favorite player from his or her perspective. Like the level of customization that we're going to be able to consume sports with as we do it virtually, probably not at the game, but you know, 
if we're watching, you know, on TV or streaming or online or on social media, um, I still think that that's going to continue to develop and emerge and innovate. And that's going to be interesting to watch. All right. The last story that we should obviously be paying very close attention to um, is the continued development and emergence of women's sports. So uh, the Professional Women's Hockey League just launched. And you know now you've got that league, you've got the NWSL, you've got the WNBA. So you've got pro hockey for women, you've got pro basketball for women, you've got pro soccer for women in the United States. The investment in women's sports is only scratching the surface. You know, as we said on our show at the end of 2023, um, if you were a sponsor um, or a TV partner, like it was a record setting year for women's sports with the WNBA, with the NWSL, with Women's World Cup last year. So still, if you're going to make a bet on something sports related, getting into women's sports is still a great bet. And you're getting in still relatively undervalued because I think if we do look ahead two to five years from now, I think they're going to finally start getting the true value that they deserve. But you're seeing the road that, you know, the building blocks, the, you know, these women's sports leagues. It used to be you were a, a women college player and the only place you had to go was the Olympics. There was no pro options for you. Now there's going to be pro option and there's a lot of money around these options. Um, people like Caitlin Clark, you look what she's doing right now at the university of Iowa, and she's probably going to come out early and be the number one pick in the WNBA draft and go to the Indiana fever. And she's going to change that city. And I think it's pretty cool because Indiana is the birthplace of basketball. So the fact that she would go there would be pretty exciting for women's sports and the WNBA. but. You know, you're going to have these transcendent women athletes like her. You look at what Sabrina Inescu, her shoe. I mean, how many NBA players are wearing Sabrina's Nike shoe? It's incredible. And it's going to be the top-selling women's signature shoe of all time. And you know Caitlin Clark's going to be right behind her with her own signature shoe. And you know Paige Beckers from UConn is going to come in and she's going to have her signature shoe. And you look at some of these young soccer stars like Sophia Smith, and you know they're going to continue to get marketing deals, shoe deals, um, get more exposure than women have gotten before them. I mean, it's going to be exciting to watch. So um, pay very close attention to the continued emergence and development of women's sports in 2024. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun year for watching women's stuff, too, because I, I agree. It gives them some more incentive and more opportunity. You know, they don't have to just play and then go to the Olympics every four years or whatever. Now we've got these pro leagues that are developing and growing and you've got the shoes, like you mentioned, and endorsements. I mean, Caitlin Clark, you're seeing everywhere with State Farm and other things. And it's great. I think it's awesome. It's growing. It needs to grow faster. And I think it will continue to grow faster. Um, we talked about World Cup. I you know watched every match. I love it. It's just, it's engaging. It's fun. It's amazing content. So. It's exciting. I think it's great, uh, great, great growth. And uh, let's keep it going. All right, Griggs, I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't ask you for this before because uh -oh. I like to get your reaction in real time. <laughs> Give me one bold sports business prediction for 2024. Ooh, that is a good one. Um, 
bold sports prediction for 2024? Well, you know, just because we just talked about it and it's fresh, let's go back to Texas and gambling and sports gambling. I'm thinking something's going to happen there in this year with the move of the Mavericks and Cuban and all that. So I'm going to say somewhere in Texas, something's going to be either legalized or there's going to be a big development with that, uh, that world in Texas. Okay. Um, I thought a lot about, about, about mine. And this isn't that big of a stretch. But I think this Super Bowl in Las Vegas is going to break the viewership record that just got set last Super Bowl in Arizona. So mm-hmm. that was 115.1 million viewers. I think this next Super Bowl tops that. And by the way, the 115.1 million wasn't just a record for a Super Bowl. It was the most watched TV show in history of TV. Yeah. I think we're going to see the NFL top that in Las Vegas this February. Um, And I just think the NFL is a juggernaut. And um, I believe CBS has the Super Bowl this year. So they're going to be very pleased. It's going to continue to allow these networks to charge $7 million for a 30-second ad. And remember what we always say on this show. Like, that's just the money for the airtime. <laughs> that's not paying the celebrity or celebrities. That's not the production of the ad. That's not the teasing on social media and the campaign to let people know about your ad. Like, seven million is just scratching the surface. I mean, when you're all in, you're probably at $15 million. But as we're going to discuss here in a moment with Jay Prasad, CEO of Relometrics, there's really no other broadcast on earth other than maybe the world cup the final allows that kind of a viewing audience for a singular event 115 million people so i do think the record's going to be broken with super bowl 58 in las vegas i do think we're going to see the 30 second ads continue to go up even more and again i don't know how bold that is but uh i think uh that's going to be interesting. And, and while we're on this, the one other thing that I'm going to pay very close attention to in 2024 is, if you remember, it seems like forever ago, Tom Brady signed a 10-year deal with Fox to be their number one football analyst and replace uh, Greg Olson. Well, that's supposed to go into effect in 2024. So I am very much looking forward to hearing Brady and his insight he will certainly be the uh, analyst who has played most recently, more than Tony Romo, more than Troy Aikman, more than Chris Collinsworth. And he has had such a way of seeing the game. And are we going to listen to him and learn things about the game that we've never learned before? Because we're seeing it through his eyes. I think he has a chance to be the best commentator that we've had. I mean, obviously, I love John Madden. That's who I grew up with. He was different. but. Tom Brady as a commentator, if he does his homework, which he's always done his homework and everything he's done, he's always been prepared. So you'd be shocked if he wasn't prepared. But hearing him on NFL games is going to be a lot of fun. I agree. And I think you mentioned too, he's the most recent out of the NFL. So he knows these players. Like he'll be able to talk about, oh yeah, I threw that receiver for seasons. I know how he moves. I know his, his cuts, his routes, whatever it is. So I agree. I think he, and he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a comedian. He's funny. He's a really funny guy. And he's got that dry humor. So I think that's going to be fun to hear too, as he sneaks in some of that kind of stuff. 
So uh, I agree. That'll be fun to watch. I think you're probably right with Super Bowl numbers too. It's in Vegas. It's going to be a show. And I tell you, if anybody can get past Baltimore, I don't know who can, but they are so fun to watch. It is like on fire on the, f- on the field. So who doesn't love wa- watching Lamar Jackson out there? It's fun. And I'm going to say, like, I, you know, I'm I not supposed to have favorites. I want the Ravens and Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's who I am rooting for. I want Lamar to get a ring. I think he is a transcendent athlete. If you want to talk about maybe the smartest business deal of 2023, Lamar Jackson and his mom negotiated his contract with the Ravens. He's the highest paid player in the NFL this year, $80 million. How often does the highest paid player also translate into the best player? He's probably (laughs) going to win MVP. And he didn't have to pay millions of dollars to an agent because he and his mom did this deal themselves. So he keeps more money in his own pocket. Brilliant. I love Lamar. I like the Ravens. I like John Harbaugh. I like the grit of Baltimore. Um, You know, I would love to see a new team win it. And I think it's Lamar's time and it's set up well for them with the one seed. If it's a Baltimore-San Francisco Super Bowl, that's where I think the recipe that I just described of over 115.1 million viewers comes in. I think that would be just a huge audience. You've got Christian McCaffrey on one side and you've got Lamar Jackson on the other side. And um, it's just incredible to see the numbers the NFL can generate. But those two teams who are going to be the number one seeds would really bring a huge audience. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, you know, what we're just over a month out from the big game. So, yeah, I think that's a great game. If you, the Niners are a world brand. I mean, you can go anywhere and you're going to see a Niners jersey. So, instantly you've got that audience. And then, how we mentioned Lamar is just, it's video game numbers. It's watching them play is just so fun because it's just a different kind of football. So, yeah, that'd be a fun game. And uh, Super Bowl is always great. It's so much fun to engage around it and talk to. Hopefully, we get Peter O'Reilly on again, too, to talk about the, uh, the show, the halftime show and the pregame and everything that goes on. So, uh, Fun time of year. Looking forward to the big game. All right. Excited about being in Las Vegas next week with Misha Tate at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless. Coming up next, Jay Prasad, the CEO of Rello Metrics. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, at NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. 
they're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Jay Prasad. He is the CEO of Rello Metrics. You can find them online at rellometrics.com. Jay, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm well. Happy New Year, Brian, and thanks for having me. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. I'm so interested in your company and specifically this space and how it's evolving. For our listeners, give a little bit of background as to how Rello Metrics started and, and what you're doing with your clients. Yeah, so Relometrics is a company that creates the valuation for all the sponsorships that you see in live sports and entertainment. Sports is the dominant force in the world here when it comes to sponsorships, but you know we are able to uh, expand beyond that. And that's really important as uh, the, everyone who's investing in these integrated sponsorships, which is really a form of branded entertainment or integrated marketing, you know, it can be, um, you know, as subtle as a jersey patch, you know, in any sport. It can be as complicated as a green screen pregame show during a broadcast. Um, it can be now into digitally inserted logos. Um, so for those of, you know, those people who watched the uh, NHL game yesterday out on the ice uh, outdoors in Seattle, you would probably be able to see that, wow, this stuff is changing on the rink board. And it didn't look like the stuff that was just like built into the ring board. This looked like some digitally inserted takeover, you know, for Geico. And guess what? That was, and that was inserted into the broadcast. All of these new things need to be measured. Um, and that's where Relometrics uh, comes in. And we were started inside of a contextual advertising technology company called GumGum, which uh, focuses on using computer vision technologies to understand the context of ad environment so that the appropriate contextual ad can be inserted. That was the origins of a use case for sports sponsorship, um, leveraging some similar technologies. And that has grown into what Rello is today. And we were spun off in 2021 um, and renamed from Gum Gum Sports to Rello Metrics. I see the explosion in what companies are spending for sports sponsorships. I mean, let's use the Super Bowl, which is coming up as an example. 30-second ads are going to run between $6.5 million and $7 million. I mean, it's skyrocketed from just 10 years ago. If you're spending that much money as a company, you really do want to see what's the return on my investment. How do you help these companies measure this enormous ad spend? Yeah, so you know, we focus on what's going on on camera or during the pregame and postgame, but also we do entire social media measurement of the integration. The ads measurement is actually done by our partner, VideoAmp. So we partner with VideoAmp in terms of, we leverage their content viewership data and uh, because they have a feed for that coming from 40 million households, but they also track the advertising for 40 million households. And they do both the exposure um, in terms of the reach and the frequency, what audience did it reach, and also even some of the down funnel metrics. So for example, if there's a an advertiser who's a big person in the Super Bowl, meaning that they've got this really great creative spots and they're running, but they happen to also be in the game itself because they're integrated you know, into something through the NFL, um, then you can combine the two things together and get a total um, sort of panel, if you will, of what's happening, but we're using big data to do it. 
Um, and we also look at social engagement. Social engagement is a huge growth area, right? So TV is fragmented, right? Some people are streaming, some people are watching it digitally, some people are still watching it, you know, on the on the main linear broadcast. But it's fragmenting, and a lot of engagement is happening after the game in social media. And so we pick 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 that up as well. So, so Super Bowl is huge for that kind of follow on engagement. I couldn't help but notice all of the conversation on social around the Pop-Tart Bowl and the Pop-Tart rising up out of the toaster and the players eating the Pop-Tart after the win. That's I a mean, great win. I wasn't mean, it amazing? That up. Yeah, I mean, it's a new bowl. They came up, you know, with this great activation so that it's not like the normal boring come on stage and, you know, some marketing executive comes in and is trying to hand a trophy to somebody um, you know, this was just like over the top and fun, which is what college bowl games should be, especially when you have like 30 plus of them, right? Like, how do you make it stand out? And if you're new in the game, you know, as, as Kellogg's and Pop-Tarts was in this case, they they hit it out of the park. I mean, how many people watched that game? I could probably look that up for you, but it's a fraction of the additional coverage it got on SportsCenter and all of the other sort of... um recap shows that cover sports, but then on social, it has exploded. It's gone viral. So your tools would be able to help Pop-Tarts track in real time what the social conversation is. And, you know, people like me retweeting the video of the Pop-Tart coming up out of the toaster. And, you know, it just seemed like that was everywhere on my timeline when that was taking place. Exactly. So all the views that take place in social. So, you know, we are connected into um, Meta, so Facebook and Twitter and X and YouTube and and TikTok. So you know we look for all the exposure where this is a video. So assuming, like in this case, Kellogg's is our cluster, our customer. We're tracking all of the the views that the highlights from the game are taking place, and we and we put a value to that. We also take a look at the quality of the logo exposure. Like, was the logo and the product clearly visible or was it like in a quick pan thing? The beauty of this thing is that like, that post-game show was the entirety, right? It's like your toaster and the and the Pop-Tart coming out. And then there's the locker room, kind of like everyone eating, you know, the, the Pop-Tart and all of that. And then there's going to be the mentions, right? Like, these are additional social posts that are mentioning the game and the Pop-Tart sponsorship. Or they're measuring, the, the, they're retweeting something that says the Pop-Tart bowl in it. Maybe it didn't even have. The, you know, the the toaster in that post, but it had Pop-Tarts Bowl and that keeps getting spread. Those are things that are all contributing to the overall value of that sponsorship. And we do put all of that together along with the broadcast and the streaming and uh, put that into one overall set of value metrics for that sponsorship. Yeah, I would imagine Pop-Tarts has already seen its return on investment just from year one of this partnership. Another case study I want to kind of pull out here for a minute that you guys were a part of was Inter-Miami. When Messi came to Inter-Miami, I know they're a client of yours. Um, that was explosive growth on social media for them and obviously for all of the entities surrounding Messi. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a huge boost for many different stakeholders. Obviously, Inter-Miami you know, being one team in the MLS that, you know, was not winning prior, um, you know, and obviously it had fanfare from its formation, right? Because of David Beckham's involvement. 
Um, but this really sort of gave Inter Miami new life and it gave it new life, especially in, in going out and becoming a global brand itself and attracting more global brands as sponsors. But it was also massive for the MLS, right? Because they had that in-season tournament right around the time that Messi came on board. So that tournament has never been so big before, right? And then Apple TV, right? Who has bet huge on a 10-year deal with the MLS um, and is the main place where you see most of these games. There's still some national games on Fox and FS1, um, but, you know, majority of the games are on Apple TV, which is a subscription service, right? So, um, you know, Messi coming on board unlocked value in all of these areas. And we actually talk about that in our MLS season recap report that we put out uh, just before the holidays. So talk a little bit about the advances in technology, AI and otherwise, that has helped a business like yours really capture all of these conversations. And even, you know, where is it going? It seems like this such is such a fast evolving space. Yeah. So AI in the sense of uh, what we call and, you know, use, which is computer vision, right? And computer vision has been around, you know, for at least a decade, which is really using video and image-based data sets, meaning that you're training what something is. So in our case, we are very much trying to understand logos, right, that are being um, exposed and how do you detect those logos and then how do you classify them? Like, how do you know that that is Kellogg's, that's Pop-Tarts, that's two creative assets that are associated to the same brand, right? But there's two different names there. So you got to detect all of the Kellogg's, all the Pop-Tarts, and then you have to be able to understand the clarity of those things, right? So we have a six-step quality metric to understand share of voice on screen and clarity. So these are some of the other variables that then go into an algorithm that is constantly running so that we can create a valuation metric and a, in essence, it's a score and it becomes a numerical dollar value, um, you know, or a, you know, UK pound or a euro value at the, at the end of the process. But computer vision is what's being used to actually create models for every type of sport, right? And MLS, for example, is different than the English Premier League because they have different creative assets in which they use. So you have to create a model for each type of sport. You have to run an analysis on social media, on the broadcast, in the streaming, pick out the logos, classify the logos, value the logos, quality index the logos. Um, and so that's a lot of machine learning. That's a lot of computer vision. Now, where is AI going? In this last year, right, generative AI has been what has truly come on the scene, um, which is a massive um, new set of use cases, which is really focused on how it can actually generate answers for people? How can it actually create content for people? And so we are experimenting with several generative AI use cases, because in essence, all of this work we've been doing on computer vision since 2018, and the large data set that we now have. And then we also last year announced Relo Census, which is the largest sports marketing data set, uh, you know, based on computer vision in the sports world right now. How do we now pair that with generative AI use cases so that things can be more further automated, whether it's optimizing sponsorship assets across all your sports, right? If you're a massive brand, you know, like a Gatorade and a, or a Pepsi, um, you know, or you are an Apple who's investing heavily in the MLS, but you're also the halftime show sponsor for the Super Bowl, right? Like there's a lot of things that can be automated based on that. Um, and so generative AI is going to unlock even more use cases of the data that we've been building. We've got the Olympics coming up in Paris in summer of 2024. Companies spend literally hundreds of millions of dollars to be one of these core Olympic sponsors. 
When companies come to you and they're talking about all of this, is there a formula that they have? Like if I spend X on the Olympics or Super Bowl or Pop-Tarts Bowl, I'm looking for X in return. I think the brands that have been in in the market for a long time have some baseline data that they can use. Um, but a lot of brands go into this without that baseline, right? And so we help them understand that by using benchmarking. So because we have years of historical data, we can give them some uh, ranges of what kind of return in terms of valuation they can get. And now where things are going is further down funnel, right? So sports sponsorship is is very similar into as TV commercials, right? Because you're dealing with a broad-based set of exposure value. So it's getting broad reach, right? That's why sports is the last big thing on TV, right? Because beyond that, you're not seeing mass audiences watching any one program, right? Those days uh, of the primetime shows getting 20, 25 million viewers are no longer the case, right? So sports is what you have. Um, and that's why there's such interest in them. And because the Super Bowl creates the most broad reach mechanism in the United States, that's why the prices keep on rising, right? Because there's a scarcity um, you know, to that kind of ad inventory. Um, so you look at valuation as the core baseline metric. Like, am I getting exposure value, um, you know, above what I'm investing for this program? But now you want to also get consumer brand metrics, right? So we are doing work and have partnerships so that we can actually do surveys to actually measure things like recall, brand favorability, willingness to recommend. So based on that sponsorship, you saw Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. Are you more likely to buy Kellogg's Pop-Tarts, mm. right? And then that helps you now move further down the funnel. And then all the way down the funnel, right? This is where things are going. Um, you know, we have some additional things that we're going to uh, launch this year um, that are going to help people actually understand purchase intent and actual purchases. So are sports sponsorships leading to an increase in, in um, relative purchase rate from those who are exposed to sponsorships in sports versus those who are not, right? So now you're moving further down the funnel, which will create new baseline metrics. So um, we can definitely help somebody get started who's not been in the game. Um, our Rello Census product actually gives you, like in the financial services industry, here are all the top banks who are getting exposure and by what sport. So we've actually now created that kind of research data set in Census that can help any brand really get a baseline in minutes. Interesting. Um, something else I want to ask you about. So a couple of years ago, you know, it used to be there was this buildup to the Super Bowl spots. And what's the spot going to be? And then some of these companies started putting their spots out online on YouTube before the game. And they were basically saying, hey, in, in case you miss our spot during the game, here it is online. And some of these spots would get millions of views online. I think it's smart because you're kind of doubling down on your investment. But how do you help a company, uh, I guess, activate on social or digitally in addition to just like, hey, we're running a 30 second spot during a game. Yeah, I think, you know, these brands that are buying these spots and producing these very expensive and creative, um, you know, commercials, they have agencies that are planning a full media strategy around the, the ad itself. And so whether they're going to sneak preview it or a portion of it because a celebrity is going to be involved, they want to build the buzz by mentioning you know, a big time celebrity is going to be in this ad, but they're not actually showing the whole thing. And then as soon as the ad appears for its first run, 
in the Super Bowl, then it begins an online and social campaign. Um, that is probably what is is going to happen. And then um, if it's associated to a sponsorship within a rights holder, meaning it's a, it's one of the Super Bowl teams, it's the NFL, it could be another sports league. That's where we usually get brought on to measure all of that. Um, and then there are you know lots of different measurement tools that exist for the agencies to leverage the social platforms itself to get an understanding of the impact. But at the end of the day, whoever is doing this measurement, you're going to want to look at that kind of brand metric again, um, you know, brand recognition, favorability, logo recall, like all of those things like that and sentiment. And, and did you actually really move the needle for your product with the both Super Bowl ad itself, as well as then the follow on viral campaign across digital and social? All right. Last question for you. We talked about Inner Miami. Who are some of the other leagues, teams, brands that Rello Metrics works with? Right. So we actually are live in 35 different sports around the world. Um, but our main focus and our main point of, I guess, revenue from Relometric standpoint is the big five leagues in the U.S. So uh, looking at the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and MLS. And those are also the five leagues that are present in our census data set to start. Um, we are going to be expanding census. Um, into other areas. So obviously, uh, just coming off of yesterday's thrilling day of, of college bowl games in the college football playoff, college football and basketball um, is, is of clear interest um, to many different advertisers. Um, and then we have both rights holders and advertisers interested in uh, some of the big European football leagues, uh, starting with the English Premier League. So there will be more and more things added to census as we get into 2024. Such a fascinating space. I love how you guys are uh, at the cutting edge of all the innovation that's taking place with this. Jay Prasad, CEO of Rello Metrics. Find them online at rellometrics.com. Happy New Year, Jay, and thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for having me. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, Look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, -end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G, now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, 
Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.